This episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands is brought to you by Blood, Sweat and Beers. After a two-year absence, one of Australia's favourite rock, punk and alternative one-day festivals returns for its eighth time around, with a packed lineup bound to please those that enjoy the loud, the fast and the fun. Heading up the lineup is Tasmania's own Luca Brasi. Joining them will be The Gift Horse, Tire Swans, Bagster, Corpus, The Heartaches, Hannah Band, Hostile Objects, Dividers, Burners, and more to be announced. It's all going down at the Factory Theatre on the 25th of July. For more information, head over to Blood, Sweat and Beers on Facebook, facebook.com slash blood, sweat and beers. Enjoy the show. In over 10 years of going to shows, I've met some really interesting people along the way. Folkies, metalheads, old school punks, sweetheart singer-songwriters, and everyone in between. I figured now was as good a time as ever for me to share their stories. Conversations about music where no genre and no topic is off limits. I'm David James Young. And this is Newcastle Month. everyone, it's David James Young here. Thank you for tuning in for yet another week of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. This is the second last episode for Newcastle Month. Uh, I'm really, really stoked at the response that the Jamie Hay and Liam White episode got. Thanks for all the shares and the comments and uh, however you chose to interact with that particular episode Loved chatting with those guys, and uh, yeah, looking forward to catching up with those guys again in the not-too-distant future. But, for now, let's move on to our gig plugs for the week. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, on Thursday, May 21st, tonight at the Standard Bowl, uh, formerly the Standard, which has now been turned into a venue-slash-bowling alley, I don't know, just go with it. A uh, super weird, odd couple double bill. Uh, Jack Colwell uh, will be performing with Tanned Christ. Now, if you know either of those acts, you'll know that the former is a uh, Baroque pop crooner of sorts, and the latter is a thrashy, chaotic, grindcore, doomy noise band. So, exactly why the fuck they're playing together, I have absolutely no idea, but I know that it will be outstanding for all involved. On Friday night in Wollongong, King Parrot are going to be playing at the Coromel Hotel, that's just north of Wollongong, not too far from Coromel Station, and they're going to be playing with some good friends of mine, High Tension and Colossus. Colossus, of course, featuring lead vocalist Lachlan Watt, who you would have heard in the second ever episode of All My Friends Earn Bar Bands. If you are not in Wollongong, they'll also be playing on Saturday at Newtown Social Club and this Sunday at the Small Ballroom in good old Newcastle. In Sydney, uh, from Adelaide Grenadiers and from Perth Tired Lion, two great bands. They will be playing with British India at the Metro Theatre. That show is sold out, but if you still want to head along and check them out, they will also be playing on Sunday night at the Basement in Circular Quay. 
They'll also be playing on Saturday night at the Cambridge Hotel. Over at the factory floor on Friday night will be the Brothers Nude. You may know them as uh, Andy and Gavin McDougall, the McDougall twins who play together in Ebola Goldfish and also feature in Ivan Drago, amongst a myriad of other projects. But yes, they will be playing at the factory floor and hosting a very uh, full and probably very entertaining night of acoustic-oriented punk. So definitely check that out if you're interested. And also... Over at the Captain Cook Hotel, Dividers, featuring uh, former Slash Current, I guess they're still a thing, members of Bagster. They are playing with Strangerous Collective, Jefferson, and a bunch of other bands. That's free entry. Dividers are really impressive live, and their lead singer, Kobe, is a lovely, lovely, handsome man. So, you've got nothing to lose, really. On Saturday, in Wollongong, the Electric Eclectic Fest is happening. It is a really full and really varied bill of strange and weird and awesome bands. Headlining is Sleep Makes Waves, who are in the midst of a national tour. They are joined by the Crooked Fiddle Band, Trollhogan, Mowgli and Jacob, and a stack of other bands, so definitely check that out if you're in the area. This week's guest, well, you've been hearing his throaty little voice all month as the intro track for Newcastle Month, and now we get to hear from the man himself. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Benjamin Diz Lautet, the lead singer and founding member of Safe Hands, is our guest this week. Been trying to make this happen for a while, and I'm really glad that we finally got to make it happen. Spoiler alert, we will be chatting with his dear loving wife next week, but for now, we are going to be getting into the meat and potatoes of one of my personal favourite bands in Australia. Not just because they're friends of mine. I was into these guys long before we knew each other. I have a great deep running love of this band and everyone that I've ever known that has been in this band, past and present. So I'm really excited that I got to do this and I'm really excited to be sharing it with you now. For the third and second last time of Newcastle Month, let's have a chat with Ben Loudit. Hi everyone, I'm David James Young and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friend, Mr... Benjamin, loud it. Good afternoon. How are you, sir? Good, thank you. We are we are in your lovely home. Thank you very much for having me. That's all right. And uh, you're fresh from rocking a show just the night before with uh, everybody's mates, Norma Jean. Everybody's mates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was really good. I was pleasantly surprised at uh, like it was a good turnout and everything, and we played some new songs, and that all went went pretty smoothly. So I'm happy with that. You got to be happy with that. Yeah. And how were they <clears> as <throat> as people? Did you get to talk with them much? Well, or? yeah, we'd 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 talk to them. I uh, got to talk to them a bit because we uh, supported them a couple of years ago. Oh, right. When they were here in 2013. Well, were any of them in the band? Yeah, they point? were. This is actually, um, maybe it could have been the longest time without member turnover that they've had, it seems. Yeah, right. But yeah, we did get to catch up and have a bit of a talk, so that was good. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Normally, 
uh, as an icebreaker <laughs> into getting into the conversation uh, for this podcast, I will discuss uh, how I met the person that I'm interviewing. But considering that you have taken such glee in telling this story, I would like to throw it to you. Oh, I would like to. I would like you to tell the story of of how DJY and Jizz met. All right. I think I can do it with enough gravity. <laughs> I know you can gra- do it. Do I have the gravitas? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Uh, so I play in a band called Safe Hands. Yes. There have been various iterations of the band. I used to be the bass player a long time ago. And this version one of Safe Hands was playing a show in Nowra. I don't know why they'd asked a band from Newcastle to come and play a show in Nowra. Who knows? Like a one-off. It wasn't part of a, a tour or a run of dates or anything like that with um, a bunch of metalcore bands like Wish for Wings. Wish for Wings were the headliners, I believe. And it was at the Nowra School of Arts. And we rocked up there and it was, you know, we were at the time trying to sort of be, you know, whatever metalcore acts smushed together, but trying to pull out different influences from that and turn it into something else, I suppose. But playing with a bunch of straight-up metalcore bands, uh, like, no one really wanted a bar of it. So we played, and it's like, okay, so we've driven ages for this, and, you know, well, you know, it is what it is. And uh, except I did see you, and you were one of the few people there who was super into it, so like, yeah, this is good, okay, cool. So at least somebody's really enjoying what we're doing. And, um, it was basically me and a friend of the show, Jack Riley. That's right. <laughs> I've known Jack for a long time as well, yes, due, to, yes. due, to, due to the band got, as well. He's got a lot of Newcastle connects. Yeah. And then uh, up after us were a band called The Bride. You may have heard of them. And uh, midway through their set, I'm standing at the merch table and I see David James Young just walk up to the stage <laughs> very calmly, turn around and uh, pull his ass out and moon the band. And then just as calmly... Uh, pull his pants up and walk away. And that was probably the greatest introduction <laughs> to a friend I've ever seen, basically. You could actually put your ass literally on the line. Yep. <laughs> they wanted to kick my ass after yeah, that. Yeah, So he became my personal hero that day. Oh, that's very kind. <laughs> no uh, disrespect to, to that band at all. But, yeah. <laughs> It was just the, no uh, full disrespect from me. <laughs> <laughs> All disrespect to Ben Affleck. Actually, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was, yeah, that was memories. Yeah, good times. That good was time. going back to like two thousand and seven. Yeah. Yes, and then uh, in two thousand nine, I was at a minus the bear show, and you and Ant were there. That's right. And I was just like, "Hey, you guys are in safe hands." Do you remember that show? <laughs> <laughs> like, how could I forget? Yeah. <laughs> and then you guys more or less dropped off the face of the earth for a little while. Like, it might be the longest, one of the longest gaps I've ever had between viewings of bands. So the first mm. time I saw you guys was in 2007. Yeah. And the second time I saw you was in 2011. Yeah. Which was at uh, the now dearly departed Sandringham Hotel. Mm. Your EP had just come out, I believe, mm-hmm. and you were opening for Totally Unicorn. That's right. Yeah, it's always interesting playing with those dudes because <laughs> they're always going to blow you out of the water every time. You yeah, can't, regardless, can't, can't yeah. compete. So, <laughs> yeah, that was a good show too. That might be our first time there, actually. Yeah, but yeah, great venue. Yeah, good times, good mm. times. And uh, I think I'm up to thirteen. 
shows of you guys now? They're about the Ten Timers Club. Yes, the illustrious Ten Timers Club. Okay. I'll have you know. Cool. <laughs> Do we get like a, a plate or something? Oh, you'll get a you'll get commemorative. Oh, good. Well, I'm a medium. <laughs> yeah. If All right. Want. Okay. Yeah, that'll yeah. be in the mail. Terry Towling, please. <laughs> Oh, uh, you, you'd get nothing less, mate. Simply no, the best. Simply the best for you, my friend. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, of course, now the majority of your musical career has revolved around the world of Safehead. Mm-hmm. So, take us back to the formation of that band. Okay. Well, my friend Anthony Webster and I, who plays guitar in Safehands, yes, we'd known each other since 2004 when I moved up here to Newcastle. I was originally from Tamworth, right, and I moved up here with to go to university, not to finish university, but to go. And uh, I'd moved in with two mates of mine. We all moved up from uh, Tamworth to Newcastle, and they were doing a like a TAFE music business course, and they met Anthony through that. Right. So we ended up in, like all of us ended up in a, a band together before Safe Hands. It was called Lights Out Berlin. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. No idea what the name meant. Thought it sounded cool, though. And that, again, was just a hodgepodge of screamo and pop and rock and didn't really know what it wanted to be. And eventually, after a few years of that, Anthony and I kind of said, you know, we're kind of putting... We seem to be the guys who are putting in a bit more and not getting enough back. I think the other guys sort of were okay with doing the band as a hobby at the time. We were, like, well into it and thought we could push it a bit further than that. So we decided to start another project... At this t- at the time that Lights Out was burning down, basically. And um, we just recruited some other mates and started Safe Hands. But we've actually been playing shows since late 2006. Like, that's how long the band's been going for. There's sort of version one Safe Hands, which had our friend Tim as the vocalist, who'd never been in a band before, uh, ever. But he did a really good job, I thought. And eventually he moved to uh, London for work. Right. He's back in Australia now, but at the time, this was about in 2010, I think. And at the time, because I was doing sort of most of the backup vocals and stuff like that, I decided to, rather than find a new vocalist, it might be easier to just transfer me to vocals and find a new bass player instead. So that's the start of Safe Hands version 2, as you know it today, Mm. basically. (laughs) Mm. There's several. There are several versions yeah. of Safe Hands. So the first Safe Hands show, like the version one Safe Hands show, was at the Ties Hill Social Club, and it was like a TAFE, like for the music business course, like put on. Yeah, right. Show. We didn't have a name yet, so we called ourselves Dangerous, like the Homestar Runner. Oh, reference. nice. Yeah, I'm gonna have to jump. Anyway, yeah, anyway. <laughs> and we played like one original and four cover songs. Can you remember the covers? Caution, Dangerous Curves Ahead by Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. Oh, wow. We did Botchler by Poison the Well. We did uh, Abolition of Man by Thrice. And there might have only been three covers, and we did an original. Nice. Good mix. So it was very short and sweet, but it was fun. So, (laughs) yeah, that was that. And then I think a month later, we played our first official show as Safe Hands. Yeah, right. Yeah. So what got you interested in music to begin with? You, you mentioned growing up in Tamworth. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't assume you were a big country music guy. I know. It's uh, it's strange. Obviously, the counterculture element of Tamworth sort of gets swept under the rug. Yeah. Growing up there, I didn't really know anybody who was into country music. 
whatsoever. Yeah, right. Unless, you know, unless they were sort of born into a family of country musicians. Sure. That would be how you'd do it. Um, there were numerous sort of family bands in that sort of that sort of mould. I don't know, probably some halfway through high school, I, I went through this horrendous sort of new metal phase. As you do. <laughs> Didn't we all? <laughs> it was back in that, was, was, that was at its heyday. And Disturbed, I think... Yeah, well, no, no I... I still had a thirst for seeking, you know, lesser known bands. So they were all. They oh, were so all... like Johnny Paul? No. <laughs> lesser known. Even lesser, even lesser known. I never know. I didn't really subscribe to the super popular ones. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm talking like stuff what, you may What were the lesser okay. known new metal okay, bands? Uh, Cold. Oh, shit. Yeah, uh, Suffocate. You're the Spider. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. 13 Ways to Bleed on Stage. Yeah, still man. Still fantastic. <laughs> record um, stupid girl fuck <laughs> stuff like that i yeah. was big fans of them um but i think i was i've always been a massive deftones buff not that sure. they're obviously lesser known not <laughs> at all they're still brilliant and they managed to transcend the new metal mold mm. over time and still be widely respected um out of all the bands i listened to back then the only bands i listen to now out of that would probably be Deftones, and then because the first Glassjaw record came out on Roadrunner, I was oh, like, yeah, wow. well, this has got to be good, and it was completely different to what I expected. <laughs> but that sort of broke me out of that shitty mould. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. Okay, there can be something more to this, you know, So besides the wallet, <laughs> you, you the wallet chains and all that. You, know. you can't be too faithful to Roadrunner records. It's like, oh, sick. Nick Nickel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those guys won't do much. Really <laughs> oh, you yeah. bought Silverside up. Don't lie to me. I did. <laughs> we were young. Yeah. We were so young. That's where I, I, yeah, I had a moratorium on it after that. But, <laughs> you know, at the time, you know, you're living in living in a place that doesn't have that much. You know, your most exposure you get to mainstream music would be like I had Channel V back then. Mm. When they you know would they would play alternative programming yeah. as part of the main programming, not like the one hour block on Wednesday night. Yeah, you know, so that opened my musical knowledge up quite a bit. Did that and the if, advent yeah. of the internet as well, I suppose. Oh, you know, I've heard about thing. that. Yeah, became a big sort of thing. Well, we didn't even get we didn't get SBS in Tamworth until about nineteen ninety nine. Oh, really? Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it's um. We were making do with what we had. I guess you got to, don't yeah. you? <laughs> so then some friends of mine started decided to start a band just for the hell of it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know how to play an instrument, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna learn guitar and I'm gonna weasel my way in, even though I was never in the band. How'd that work out for you? It, oh, it actually went okay. I sort of wowed one of them once playing the intro to Creed's What If on guitar. Oh nice. And then, whoa, he called up one of the other guys that I played it to him over the phone, and he's like, oh, I'll get you in for a jam. And I'm like, okay, cool. The other guy ousted. Even though, and, and I was like, oh. Then this band never actually played a show. Oh, but it was, you know, no. But it was just tooling around playing Deftones covers in someone's garage, basically. So what was the what was the first band that actually eventuated? Was that during high school? or um, Just after, like, the year after I left high school. So right. it was 2003. I actually was asked by some friends of mine to play bass for them for a covers show they were doing. Okay. It was sort of like a, a youth event that was happening at the um, PCYC in Tamworth and they needed someone to play bass and I was like, well, you can play guitar. I'm like, well, yeah, I'll give it a bash. Sounds terribly flippant, but how <laughs> difficult can it be? But no, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Like, from doing that, that was how I started getting much better at being a bass player rather than a guitarist playing bass. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> and that band was called A Flicker to Fire. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, and they only we played that one cover show. 
and then tried to drag it on for a few more years after that, after we moved up here, but uh, to no avail. Yeah. And then we just... Then Lights Out Berlin started by... Anthony had recruited a couple of other guys in the TAFE course, and Mitch, who was our vocalist, who was my Frampton Tamworth, who I moved up with. Mm. And these other two guys just... I think Anthony had booked a couple of shows for this band that he was starting, who were called uh, Paper Street at the time. One day he's just like, okay, so these guys have dropped out to you and uh wayne who was the other my other friend i was living with yeah he was a guitarist do you guys just want to sub in for these shows and i'm like okay sure could be fun and then we just played i think we played one show in newcastle and one show in gosford and that was enough for me to go okay yeah this is cool like people come and see people do this and there'll be a round of applause regardless of how how bad you are yeah. but uh I really enjoyed the live spectacle of it. It was, was New- really cool. Yeah, it was yeah. like when you moved. Was Newcastle just like the obvious choice for you, or was it, was it just, just a, a good, was it just a logical one? It was a, just a place that wasn't too far from home, somewhere where I could. It was sort of you know equidistant between Tamworth and Sydney. Yeah, if you want to, it's sort of a hub, and it seemed to be the logical progression for a lot of people I know back in Tamworth to move to Newcastle just because it was the next bigger place like and, and it, it sort of has the feel of tamworth but just on a much larger scale yeah. basically yeah <laughs> oh that's fair <laughs> and uh yeah i've grown quite comfortable here <laughs> even though it gets a bad rap but i quite like it so sure yeah <laughs> is there something about the the community of people that play music and uh are involved with the shows around here that you think is kind of reflected on both you and and say fans as a band um I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, back in the day, like when I moved up here, the NCHC thing was in full force. Right, yeah. That was huge. And I remember going to some shows and just going, oh, I can't understand anything these guys are saying. I'm just going to leave <laughs> to stuff like that. But then I eventually, like, through broadening my taste, I really did enjoy that element of it. But there just seemed to be, like, so many shows going on all the time. There were many more youth venues here at the time and now there's maybe like one which yeah. really kind of blows i mean we we the strange thing is we sort of have this elder statesman status in newcastle but it's only by virtue of not breaking up yet <laughs> yeah. like i feel like we haven't really you know in the grand scheme we haven't really accomplished that much but there's an odd sort of reverence around us and people saying oh it's a guy from safe hands like out of the shows i'm like don't don't say that, don't say that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah um, it's a strange feeling. Did you did you ever anticipate anything like that when Safe Hands was starting? No, not at all. It was just really a way to kill time, I suppose. I mean, I'd, I'd never really had much of a career goal ever. Mm. But I thought I really enjoyed playing music, so that became the thing for me. It's not much more to it than that. <laughs> <laughs> Take us through touring uh, for the first time uh, as, a, as a part of Safe Hands. As part of Safe Hands? Well, before we had the version one of Safe Hands, I only did like one little jaunt to Brisbane, which wasn't very successful. We played like four shows in three days. To and two people. <laughs> around about, let's just count it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think once we got out with... Um, the Oh The Humanity EP, mm. like the first one that I did full, like, proper vocals on. Just the uh, earlier releases have since been redacted by me. They're in a landfill somewhere. <laughs> like, the E.T. E- Atari game. Um, <laughs> that was, um, it was really cool. Like, when, I think we, that was sort of our, our high point, it seemed to me, like, that first EP, because there wasn't a huge amount, th- that, that noise influence sort of creeped into a lot 
of local bands as well. You'd see bands, they weren't, the first band they started weren't like a metalcore bands with tons of breakdowns. It was yeah. more noisy stuff and guys throwing their instruments and things like that. It was odd to see that, yeah, maybe we had been an influence on that. So, um, obviously being able to tour that material was really good and really, due to the music we were playing, it was very cathartic as well. But you could definitely feel a connection with the, the showgoers yeah, and all that. Of course. So it was really, yeah, it's a really cool feeling. I try to get that back constantly. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any reservations about transitioning into becoming the front man? Like, I, I know you, you've spoken a lot of, uh, about, I guess, having, having anxieties towards performing and, you know, like getting like, Oh, having a lot of pressure on you as a performer at times and things like that. So I, I guess a lot of people, when they're playing, they, they often view the instrument as like a barrier, you know, mm. like it's something they can hide behind, you yeah. know, it's just something they can focus on and not focus on like people staring at them. But, mm. you know, when you're a singer without an instrument, yeah. you know, you're really putting yourself out You there. don't get afforded the luxury of having an instrument. Yeah, basically. of course. Yeah, so... Like, it, it, it's something that you have to put a lot into, you mm. know? It was, it, I did find it very difficult to begin with, but it felt like you just sort of curl all this energy up into a ball and then you can just let it go at once. And then it feels, it's fantastic. I still can't, it's, there's nothing else like it when I do do it. And if the, the crowd's particularly into it, then it's even better, you know? But from whatever reservations I had, um, being transitioning into being a front man like i'd had um like a, a theater background as well yeah right so performing not that i'm trying to say that makes it sound disingenuous like i'm performing like putting on a character yeah yeah but like doing stuff in front of crowds had that having that experience made it a bit easier for sure yeah and i've transitioned into it and eased into it a lot more over time so yeah i don't really have that issue anymore yeah, that's good it certainly yeah. was a yeah, it certainly was a hard hard barrier to break through, but a fun one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At what points, when uh, you know, throughout the the chronology and timeline of of say fans, was was there a, was there a, a point where I don't know maybe it came through a performance or a response to something that you'd done where you, there's a there's this idea of quote unquote making it, you know, mm. and thinking oh you know we've we've reached the best point of of what we can be at this stage you mm. know where, where do you think that came for you um i mean it's a hard thing to say because i don't think we have quote unquote made it no of course <laughs> no, one, no one ever does but you know yeah. there are those there are those I'd moments like, where it's just yeah, like if you've never gotten better like than this yeah. yeah we're doing something and i think well yeah probably the first like over oh, humanity tour was really good because i mean we were at the same time playing to it largely to people who hadn't seen us before but to see mm. people have such a, a good reaction to it. Um, particularly, we played a show at uh, Shed 5 on the Gold Coast back when that was still a thing. Yeah. Uh, and that was huge. Like, I don't think any of them would have even heard us whatsoever. But we managed to, like, we had, you know, you'd throw the drum kit out in the crowd and everyone crowd around that and stuff like that. And oh, cool. It was, that was a really cool moment for me. In fact, there's a, there's a picture of me from that show that circulated around as a gen. My, my wife started to get it going as a meme because I look fully homeless like we'd gone to the beach earlier <laughs> in the day my hair's quite naturally curly even more so if it's had seawater in right, it yeah. and i'm just <laughs> janking around in this like a singlet and with my bad t-shirt tan and kramer hair basically and <laughs> it's like a racer head sort of thing and i'm just smiling and this this is in the middle of the set like a kid's just taking a photo but it looks like i'm just homeless man at show and then ended up <laughs> 
that became a meme very, very quietly. Oh, wow. Um, attempted to be. But yeah, that was awesome. But also, I think some of our, when we put out our album, uh, Montenegro, a couple of years ago, a lot, few of the shows on that uh, tour we did for that one were excellent. And that was, that's sort of indicative that people were really paying attention. So yeah. it was good. Like people who knew the words, even though it had only been out for like a week yeah. and stuff like wow, that. Yeah. So like we played a show at the Crown and Anchor in Adelaide that was really, really cool. And our, like our hometown show for that one was awesome as well. Like we got, had uh, Vanity from Perth playing some shows with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was awesome because we put out a split with them just yeah. a little bit earlier before. And like we got Jen to do her guest part on the title track and things like that for the first time live. And it was, yeah, really good special vibe. So yeah, I think those were probably my yeah proudest, proudest moments. That was a, yeah. It goes, yeah. Montenegro was like a long time coming for a lot of people, you know, yeah. like... It, 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 Especially it, if you know, like, how long the band's been together. Yeah, like, it's sort yeah, of, yeah. you know, got this under like, the radar. Like, to, to, have, to, have, uh, to have, like, a debut record at such a late stage yeah. in, in their in career, well, you just know? sort of retconned the first, <laughs> uh, you know, five years out of existence, basically. That makes me feel better about it. Like, I've been wasting time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The chrysalis stage. Because, <laughs> yeah. Had to had to go through that to get to this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were but pupa. <laughs> yeah. It's very easy to dismiss. Isn't yeah, it? talk us through the process of, of making that record. Like like you said, it was it was quite a long time coming. And yeah. uh, I I can only assume like with a focus on you as the as the front man as mm. the lyricist and everything. There, there was a lot to build up and a lot to get off your chest at that point. I yeah, absolutely. Imagine. Well, basically, Montenegro for us was was the first time for me having written. An entire album's worth of lyrics, for starters, because yeah. half the material that ended up on Oh The Humanity was vocals Tim had written, the first vocalist. Yeah. Like, old songs before he left that we just redid. And this one, Montenegro, I wanted to have more of a running theme and stuff like that, because I'd been through, like, a, a rough few years, just sort of through, you know, bad decisions. You know how it is. Of course. Things like that. It can weigh in on you, you know, relationship-wise and things like that. And uh, yeah. basically, I'd I'd moved to Sydney for a few months to try and get a fresh start and then realised, well, this is shit. I've got to come back where my friends are. So I just came back to Newcastle and I felt like I had my tail between my legs that I had failed at doing that as well. And then, uh, so these vocals, like these songs were written over a course of, you know, two or three years. Like we started writing them as soon as the last EP was done, perhaps even before it was released. Yeah. So, by the point we started, like, after the album was out, we were kind of sick of playing them by that yeah. point because we'd had them for so long. Oh, of course. Like, the last the last couple of songs on that record were, like, that was chronologically written. So Montenegro was the last song I wrote for it. That seemed to be the song that people have identified with the most, or... You're really putting yourself out there. Yeah, it's like allusions to the band's past, and you know, you 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 very publicly address your your family and things like that. Yeah, things like that, and it's sort of about having you know, yeah, sure, I've I've not made much of myself so far, but I've found a a piece in playing music. Basically, is what it's about. Like that song in particular, I thought that's you know that's great because you know that's what we're going to call name the album after. Because Montenegro, like, it's a, a Spanish name that translates to Black Mountain. And I sort of had the idea of the Black Mountain being whatever adversity you have to climb in your life, whether it be through the idea of creating something or through battling, you know, depression or things like that, yeah, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so 
We recorded the album with our friend Matt Taylor, who we met a long time ago. He mm-hmm. used to play for Comalize. Yeah, yeah. As most people in Newcastle have. Less than. They haven't played for you guys. They've played for Comalize. There's less than six degrees of separation <laughs> in this scene. Yeah, um, absolutely. He's a fantastic, fantastic <laughs> engineer. Uh, he brought a lot of good out of the out of us making those songs. So it was recorded over a period of two or three months, and then it got released in March. 2013 but i think i think if, if, if i have to be honest about it like it's it's a good record i don't listen to it very much if at all unless i've, I've had a few Do you listen to your stuff very often no <laughs> not really like i mean if i had a few red wines i'll i'll throw it on yeah, yeah. just <laughs> have like, a dance around yeah, the room no, this, is a, this was this was all right no i'm just very quietly objectively mm, you could have done that better no yeah. but it's yeah. just yeah i am i'm still proud of it as a thing but i, I mean as every band should that yeah you know, like your new material you finally is, put out yeah, a record yeah, you know that's it so it, I'm, I'm glad that we hit that particular milestone yeah absolutely yeah. so throughout the history of of safe hands uh it's the the sole constants have been you and Ant. Yeah. Literally everyone else has come and gone throughout the band, yeah. but you guys have remained the sole constant. Mm. And I want to talk about your relationship with him and I guess what it is about him as a as a writer and as a friend that has kept him and you committed to this band after all this time, you know, mm. having everything thrown at you and just like, you know what, we're going to keep fucking doing this band. Yeah, it's been a very, very cool relationship to have because I've known him for like 11 years and Mitch and Wayne, uh, my mates from Tamworth, came home from their TAFE calls and said, there's a kid in our class who looks like the fat kid from The Wedding Singer. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Oh God, and now I, met... I can't unsee that. No. <laughs> it's odd to meet someone who has as much of a passion for music as you do. Yeah. And Simpsons quotes. That, oh, that was the yeah. main bonding thing, but we found we like we're through this mutual uh, friendship. We ended up becoming much closer than that, and like okay, well hell, like we're the ones who have the, the passion for this, and we're just going to keep it going. Like I think if either one of us decided to give it away, that'd be the end of Safe Hands for sure. Like that'd be the one member you couldn't replace. Yeah, not saying that the other guys were easily replaceable. It's really cool to go on a, a journey with someone like that over time, like, through not one but two bands now, any sort, all sort of styles, and to grow as musicians and as people as well. Like, we both got married in the last year. Like, I was one of a, a, a groomsmen at his wedding, played guitar at his wedding, stuff like that. Did you yeah. play for his first dance, or...? No, no. <laughs> I just did a, a small set, and his brother, and uh, Jen did one as well. Oh, that's And then lovely. we all collaborated on uh, I Will Follow You Into The Dark by Death Cab. Oh. Because, no, not because we organised it, but we were all going to play it separately and oh, then right. found out on the day I'm like let's just do a verse each <laughs> and it turned out really good considering oh, we were gorgeous. all hammered but it was, yeah. it was yeah, very good very good night yeah. oh that's fantastic mm. uh, now talk us to the current lineup of the band current lineup is me on vocals yes we've got Anthony on guitar obviously yes Gareth Owen on bass who's yes. been with us since the recording of Montenegro though he didn't actually play on that record that was me playing the bass on that one. Oh, you played bass on Montenegro I did, yeah um, but he was officially in the band at the time but we right. just thought that you know, it might take a bit too long. We were pressed for time and sort of having him learn all the songs at the time. Um, but he's been with us since then. And Is that weird to kind of go back to playing bass in the band, even for a moment? No, I mean, all the songs were written, yeah. like, with my bass parts anyway, so it was fine. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. it's been, the odder thing has actually been to to step out and not have a hand in how the bass goes. Oh, now, yeah, I guess, yeah. like, to have him, let him have free reign of that. Because mm. he's recorded, yeah, he's going to record our new album and the... Um, the Split with a Secret Death we did last year. He played on that one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got Isaac Gibson on drums, also of Tired Minds. Yeah. Phenomenal drummer. Good dude. Complete freak behind the kit. We've had him for a couple of years now. And, like, we were <laughs> very apprehensive about 
asking if he would like to play with us because of him also being in tired minds, obviously. You know, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. Don't want to double dip. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, he was happy to come on board, and I think it's, it's really... Having him has really opened us up stylistically a lot. Sure, Which is right. cool, because that's sort of where we're heading at now to sort of push the boundaries of whatever genre you want to throw us into. And um, our most recent acquisition is Joshua Gibson, no relation, on guitar, who uh, used to play in Coma Lies again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's been playing with us since maybe May of last year, and it's been really cool. How has he uh, kind of influenced the guitar direction? Because, well, you know, he comes from a very different that's, yeah, style I think, I think well. anyone who hears our new material is going to be surprised, because a lot of people thought, whoa, they're going to get like heaps heavier having Gibbo in the band. It's not that way at all. I think he's actually relishing the chance to not be the balls to the wall shredding yeah, the whole right. time as well. Like, yeah, the new material has a lot more sort of space and dynamics in it, I think. Like, yeah. I showed some of our demos to Matt Taylor to record the new album, and he's like, said, you know, there's still very hard hitting, but it leaves a lot in the tank for when you need the heavy moments. Like, it's yeah, a bit, yeah, yeah, yeah so sure. it goes back and forth like that. So, yeah, yeah, you guys are in the process of making your second album? Yeah, we, um, we've got about half of it demoed out. It's all written musically. I've just got to polish up some uh, vocals for the last few songs. Mm. But, yeah, I think people are going to be very surprised. Granted, if they've heard us before. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't worry too much about... I mean, no. I mean, I mean, what kind of direction do you, do you foresee this going? It's in? a lot like, more melodic, for right. sure. Okay. Heaps more uh, clean vocals. That's okay. what I've sort of been focusing on. Yeah. Like, I don't want people to expect anything in particular from us yeah i think we've made a very concerted effort to sort of rein in the hardcore influences i suppose is that a maturity thing yeah it's a cliche but it's true too old for that shit yeah you know i don't know I'd, i'd much rather have a room full of people paying attention with their arms crossed than one guy having a mosh and pushing the crowd back 10 meters and no one can connect with you basically yeah right so that's where I see that. But we're sort of experimenting with more, you know, using different instruments and different tunings. And Oh, cool. I get to play a tambourine on one song. Hey! Which is much harder than it looks, <laughs> keeping keeping that rhythm. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's cool. But we'll, we're, we're get definitely, definitely going to experiment a lot more with the recording process. So I'm really looking forward to Fantastic. that when we do that. So, yeah. When do you project that being completed? I'm not sure. We're hopefully starting a recording of it later this month, so Anzac Day, I think we're beginning, hopefully. Right on. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the troops died for, man. Oh, so yeah. You know, record. Full credit to the troops. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. All right, so we'll wrap up, but uh, before we do that, mm-hmm. you probably know what's coming. I would like to ask you about your best and worst gig experiences. Feel free to start on either or. Okay. The floor is yours, Diz. Thank you very much. Best gig experiences, probably supporting Converge. Wow, yeah. Back in 2013, that was ridiculous. And Old Man Gloom were also on that yeah, show. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Phenomenal at the Manning Bar. Yeah, yeah, biggest, I was there. Like, yeah, biggest show we've ever played. It was just before our album was released, so we were really excited to do that. Just incredible to play with a band of that magnitude, yeah. I suppose. Like, Whole obvi- squad obviously, up front as massive well. yeah. uh, influences on our, our sound at the time. And yeah, a lot of people from Newcastle were there too, so that was good. Yeah, just like biggest crowd we'd ever played to. It was just awesome. But I, I do remember it mightn't have even, we might have even handicapped ourselves before it started. I don't know if you remember um, Anthony tripping over the microphone on his way out on stage. Oh, no. I don't know if anyone saw it because people weren't expecting the band to start yet. And I'm standing off stage and I just hear this boom, 
And I'm like, oh, I'm not sure what that is. And I see Anthony lying on the floor. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Has he twisted his ankle or what? He's just tripped over the microphone and like rolled his ankle quite badly. And I thought he'd just, I thought he'd cooked it and just passed out from nerves. But he'd just, uh, yeah, he'd just had a bit of a tumble. And I'm like, okay, can we Yikes. play the set? I'm, I'm concerned, but we've got to play the set. <laughs> so <laughs> that was interesting. I really should have had... You know, if I had have had a mic stand, it might have been different. It's in the past. Oh um, man! But yeah, other so did he have to? Did was he sitting down when he was playing? Or no, what? I don't know. He stood up. He didn't, wasn't as active as usual, obviously. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> um, but also, uh, we we got the chance to play in Southeast Asia in the same year. Oh wow! Too. Yeah, yeah. And some of those shows were huge as well. In particular, I think we played at um, a place called Banda Aceh, and it was a part of Indonesia that's under Sharia law. Right. So it's sort of no, you know, no drugs, no alcohol. That's all against the law to have there i found that a really cool sort of peaceful really peaceful place and we played this show very nondescript show at uh like a, a coffee shop that they'd converted into the venue for the night it was awesome like tons of kids there like just jumping around and going mad for us even though they clearly wouldn't have heard us before or anything like that and we didn't realize until much later in time like, we'd heard that there was someone... Like, Gary spoke to someone very briefly who had a camera there. And it turns out this guy was from Vice. And they were doing... Like, Noisy was doing a documentary on the persecution of punks in Indonesia. There was a whole thing where there was a movement to sort of round up these kids and shave their heads and things like that. Because we'd been earlier in the day, we went to... There's a, a, a tsunami memorial there, like a museum. So that was where it, where it hit. Taking footage of these punk kids who were there, just sitting around playing guitars and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm not sure what's going on here because I think, like, like due to language barrier, obviously, I wasn't sure what was going on. And I didn't realise the magnitude of that show until I actually saw the eventual documentary. Like, you can see a snippet of us in it for, like, a blink-and-you'll-miss-it second. Yeah. But that show that we played was, like, the first show that had happened in Banda Aceh for a long time. And yeah. it was on the, on the back of having an, quote, international band headlining it which was us but that got to happen so i didn't realize what a huge sort of milestone and moment that was for their scene as well yeah so yeah i've been incredible retroactively that's a very very good show to sure have played. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah as far as worst shows go i've played a ton in both bands for whatever reason just bad vibes or someone being too drunk or you know stuff like that but like a memorable bad show i think uh, lights out berlin the only tour we ever did we played a show in Wollongong at the Oxford Tavern. Oh, yes. Your, your, your neck of the woods. R.I.P. Yeah. Oxford Tavern. <laughs> and um, it was with... It was um, the first show for a little band called Hospital the Musical. Oh. It was their first show, and they opened. And they were as good at their first show as they ever were. It was fucking ridiculous. Like, that was so, so good. Just incredible. Then we go on... And we're burnt out and tired, and Anthony's amplifier is literally burnt out because it exploded Holy during our shit. set. So his just stopped working, and we're just trying furiously to kill this dead air, which we couldn't do because we're all, you know, <laughs> very introspective, not charismatic people. Yeah. And um, that was going on, and we were just we were just tired and didn't play very well. And you add the gear troubles to that, and it just kills any sort of excitement you have for it. And then we go off, and Ohana come on and kill it as oh, well, like dude, another yeah, sadly defunct Wollongong yeah. band. So playing between those two bands, 
being the the spinal tap shit sandwich as it were <laughs> uh yeah it was a very humbling experience but i did get to uh, meet a lot of cool people and make friends i still have to this day which is cool actually apparently i think drew actually found drew from uh, totally unicorn now x hospital the musical found a video of that night and i mentioned to him I'm like, please tell me the Lights Out Berlin footage isn't on there. He's like, oh, it's on there. I'm like, fuck. Like, I just gotta, just, I gotta, I gotta get my hands on that thing and oh, yeah. erase it. For good. Yeah. <laughs> Not but, before uh, I see it. So it was a bad show for us, but uh, an extremely good show for them. It was good for other reasons. Yeah, so. fantastic. Mm. Ben, I'd like to thank you so much for your time right. and for your hospitality. Greatly appreciated. No worries at all. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Just the band, I suppose. All right, it's, sweet. Uh, Check them out. Check out Bandcamp out. Safe hands, Oz, A-U-S, at bandcamp.com. You can find uh, the past releases there mm-hmm. and uh, just give them a listen because, uh, yeah, especially Montenegro. Like, I think that is a fucking amazing record and I'm so fucking proud of you guys when that dropped. Thank you. You're so welcome, man. Ah, no worries. I can't wait to hear what comes next. Thank you. I'm David James Young and all my friends are This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.